Hi there and welcome and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism and I'm your host Karen Thomas and we're here to share with you natural resources to help you with your children for autism recovery. And I like to really be clear that the word recovery means to regain health. And I personally know as a parent of a child who was once diagnosed with autism that it can be really challenging, almost heartbreaking to watch your child just have so many issues where, you know, they can't sleep at night or their stomach hurts all the time. They have headaches. They have sensory processing issues where they have so much anxiety or um, or trouble focusing in a classroom. They can't they can't make friends or they're just they're just uncomfortable a lot. And I know that being able to relieve them of those symptoms is huge because our children, like everybody else, deserve to have the happiest, healthiest, and most fulfilling lives possible. So uh, I like to share any natural resources I can because. As you may know that I did recover my son from his symptoms of autism and today he lives completely on his own away at college and those symptoms that once had him feeling very uncomfortable are gone and so I want that for you I want that for your children and I'm so happy that you're joining us here today again I have another uh, special guest with us and if you were here last week we talked about Uh, sensory processing disorders and we went into what that is and then some things that you can do for that as well but today I have a guest where uh, we are going to be furthering that discussion and these are going to be on some integration tools that you can actually learn to use yourself as a parent or a caregiver at home and I'm going to give you a little bit of background on uh, our guest today and I also want to make sure that you know as usual that I have created a page on my website where any links that we discuss discuss, including any link to this program, if you're interested in it, uh, uh, that we'll be discussing, will be on the page at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash move, M-O-V-E, move. Uh, So today's guest is Sonia Story, and Sonia developed the Brain and Sensory Foundations course to meet the enormous need for effective help with sensory learning, speech, trauma and anxiety issues. She designed the Brain and Sensory Foundation course to give parents and professionals the most accessible, comprehensible and impactful tools in innate reflex and rhythmic movement. Sonia Story is certified as an instructor of rhythmic movement training and was taught by Harold Blomberg, MD, and Moira Tempsey, authors of the book Movements that heal. Sonia draws from over 12 years of applying these life changing tools with children, teens, and adults, and from a wide variety of neurodevelopmental and integrative movement methods. Sonia now teaches these profound movements to parents, occupational therapists, physical therapists, uh, speech educators. Uh, mental health therapists and caregivers, and her company is MovePlayThrive.com. As an approved provider through the American Occupational Therapy Association, her Brain and Sensory Foundations course is recognized with the Federation of State Boards of Physical Therapists. And as a parent, Sonia is acutely aware of the challenges that parents face, and she loves sharing these transformational movements with children and their families. So, Sonia, welcome, and thank you so much for being here with us today. Well, I'm thrilled to be here, Karen. Thank you. 
Yeah, it's my pleasure. I, I know um, your program well. I have for a couple of years, uh, and uh, and I know that it has amazing success. I also want to tell our listeners, because uh, this is a radio audio only show, uh, there was a time in the past where I interviewed Sonia on my podcast on the same page that I gave you the link for. And on that one, you'll be able, on that interview there, you would be able to see in it the... Um, uh, an example that Sonia gives of a video of a child of a before and after, which I think is is a, a great example to really have a visual of how much a child can change uh, and improve from their sensory processing issues. So, um, Sonia, um, and again, that link in case uh, you're just joining us is naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash move. Uh, so, Sonia, um, maybe explain a little bit to our listeners what, what are these innate development neurodevelopmental movements and, and how they impact sensory processing challenges? Yes, I would love to. So, One of the things that I just want to bounce off of that you already said is that the children who are working to heal autism and their parents, it's very uncomfortable. It's it's painful sometimes, uncomfortable. There's anxiety. There's um, hypersensitivities. And so what the, the movements work on many levels. And the basic thing that they do is they literally change the brain. And the reason why we've been so successful, even with these simple movements, is that they are innate. So innate neurodevelopmental movements refers to a set of movements that all human beings do during the stage of infancy. And they happen to have a profound effect on our development, that's what they're there for, and on our brain. And so when we're young, uh, the stage of in the womb and during infancy, which is when these movements are um, active, um, those movements are there for a reason. If we didn't have those movements, our brain would not grow, our bodies would not develop properly, and they're literally the foundational movements for setting up the brain, the body, and the sensory system. So... The wonderful thing about them is that you can use them at any age from all the way from baby to elder, and our brain still recognizes them and still responds to them. So it's important to know that one of the reasons they work is because they are innate and um, and also um, there are specific categories within innate neurodevelopmental movements. Some parents might be aware of reflex integration, which is part of what we do, um, developmental movements, which is also part of what we do, and then rhythmic movements. So there are a whole set of innate rhythmic movements that are absolutely fantastic for um, helping children be more comfortable in their bodies, help them be calm so they can learn um, I would just love to share Sony's stories about it, but I think I'll give a pause because I've been talking for a while. I think I've answered the question, and um, and we'll go on uh, so that I can, uh, you know, share more and some specific examples. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Do you do you have a, an example that you can share with us now? Yeah, I would love to. So one of the things that I do, as you mentioned, is I teach parents, and I also teach. Uh, occupational and physical therapists and other therapists and professionals. And one occupational therapist, her name is Taryn Daly, this is on my website, 
um, she sent me a picture of a boy vacuuming. And he's a seven-year-old boy. His name is Finn. His mother gave us permission to use his picture. And he had extreme sensory sensitivity. So he screamed and cried about going to public restrooms because of the the dryers, you know, the loud hand dryers. Um, He would not let anyone cut his hair. He was afraid of, like, the buzz cutter. And after um, about a month, he was able to tolerate the buzz cutter on his um, entire head, and he was able to use some of the hand dryers in public restrooms but he was still very afraid of the vacuum cleaner. So they did further work over the summer. And then by the next um, uh, few months, he was vacuuming. He pulled out the vacuum and was so proud of himself because he was vacuuming. So um, he had also had really uh, significant problems with motor skills, self-care and social skills. And then he developed the ability to dress himself. He, he uh, started being able to participate in activities at the school. So before the movement, um, he could only sit in like the circle at school for 30 seconds before he began throwing things and crawling over other children. And then he was able to participate meaningfully in group activities for up to 30 to 40 minutes, taking turns, following instructions. So that allows him to learn. And this is not a child who um, is bad. It's a child who's so uncomfortable and never got the foundation uh, required to be comfortable. So that's something really important, I think, for listeners to understand is that these movements aren't just something that was made up by a therapist somewhere. These are the actual movements that set our foundation up for sensory processing So they're not optional, they're required. And um, sadly, what's happening a lot today is that so many children um, have disruptions to these innate movements, which is why they're having challenges um, to feel comfortable in their body, to process sensory processing, to even for digestion. These movements even affect our digestion. They affect our um, whether we can feel calm or not. So they have a huge part to play in our, not only just our functioning and sensory processing, but also in our general lifelong health and well-being. You know, I, I, we have to take a short break here, but um, we're, when we come back, I think it's, it's good if we can look at uh, what, what, the, what, what the types of things might cause those, type, those disruptions that our children have. And furthermore, definitely the show is going to get into what you can do about that. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and we're coming to you live from Bold Brave Media, TuneIn Radio, and iHeartRadio. Stay with us. We will be. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and today we're talking a little bit further about sensory processing disorders. We have Sonia Story with us, an expert in rhythmic movement training. And before the break, we were talking about some of the uh, the the issues that can cause disruption in, in the innate sensory processing um, development. So, Sonia, can you give us a little bit more about, you know, things that cause uh, some of those disruptions 
And I'd like to just briefly say, you had mentioned before the break also that uh, digestion is something that is affected. And I know that so many parents, including myself, when my son was was younger and still had his symptoms, that uh, digestion and food eating is such a, 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 an issue for these kids. So as we talk about the disrupt- disruptions, I just wanted to make sure I asked you to to touch on the piece on digestion as well, because I, I know that, that I would like to hear more, and I'm sure that many of our listeners would as well. Sure. So it is important to digest. We all know this, and it's important to be calm in order to digest. So there are a couple ways that the movements are so important for developing our ability to digest. So one is the calm factor, which I've already um, talked about, like the especially the rhythmic movements are so calming. The reflexes, too, are incredibly important because when we when we get the movements that we need in infancy, our nervous system is automatically calm. It's meant to be that way. But when we don't get these movements at the proper time in infancy, we're left literally in a state of fight or flight. And there's one reflex in particular called the moral reflex, and there's another one called fear paralysis reflex. These are studied by um, neurologists and pediatric um developmental specialists so but when they don't fulfill their developmental process and there's a lack of these movements it leaves the nervous system in a state of agitation Um, and also the other thing just more on a physical basis is so we know when we're in fight or flight we're not we're not in the mode of digest and rest and learn we're in the mode of keeping ourselves in survival and protection. So that's why one of the reasons why the movements are critically important. Another very simple reason is just that we need to have time when we're babies to be in prone, like literally on our bellies. And if we don't get these movements, then being on our belly can be very uncomfortable. So a lot of parents can probably relate and if they think back to their child's early development, um, they will often say, oh, yeah, he hated to be on his tummy or she wouldn't let me put her on her tummy. Well, that's because um, uh, if you're not on your belly from the beginning, uh, you just don't develop the core strength that allows you to be comfortable on your belly as you proceed through development. And so babies will protest. But they really need to be on their belly And when they are on their belly, it develops their enteric nervous system, which is critical to digestion. So hopefully that kind of pulls the pieces together about digestion. It Um, does. And I I remember as a, a, you know, pediatrician saying, oh, you know, you have that fear almost sometimes of putting your child on their stomach because they talked about SIDS. And if you have your child on your stomach, that can increase their risk of, of sudden infant death syndrome. And so it was, you know, I remember being, you know, sort of told, oh, beware of doing that, uh, you know, back way exactly. back when, when my, yeah, interesting. Yeah, exactly. But it's actually a part of development that is so much needed. And so um, it's really something that, has been lost because of the SIDS and the back to sleep campaign, but it really, you know, all of our grandmothers, they, they knew to put the babies on their belly. They had that innate awareness, but um, anyway, but 
Should I go into like why the disruptions are happening? Do we need to take yep. another break? Or where are yeah, we? <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we just we have a couple more minutes, or we'll yeah about a minute away from uh, another break. But maybe you can begin something, and we'll complete it, finish it after our, after our break time. Sure. Well, some of the main reasons that we're seeing so many problems with so many children, not just children with autism, but all kinds of neurodevelopmental challenges and the sensory processing issues, um, the main causes that I know of that that um, are validated by research are, um, you know, too many heavy metals in our nervous systems. That's an increasing problem over the generations. Um, the lack of the health in the mother, which is like if her digestive health is not good, it affects the baby. Um, vaccines certainly can be traumatic and also detrimental to our health. They can cause inflammation in the brain, inflammation in the digestive tract, and that's going to prevent us from, from doing these movements and even maybe even nursing properly. Um, there is uh, evidence about the fact that C-section birth is traumatic and that can interfere with these movements. Um, my, one of my mentors, Dr. Blomberg, felt that the electromagnetic frequencies that we're all exposed to can be very detrimental and especially, and there is research about this too, that it can affect the fetus. Um, and uh, ultrasounds are another big one that quite possibly are very problematic when it comes to creating unfortunate changes in the brain of uh, babies. So the final thought is that what we really ought to be doing as a society and, you know, we really ought to be making decisions about what's best for the mother and the baby and to create healthy outcomes from the beginning. Absolutely. I have a lot of this, uh, this information is on all everything that you mentioned in my book, Naturally Recovering Autism, because, and you also mentioned electromagnetic field pollution. And, and um, there's, there are some things that you can do to protect your family, definitely. And, uh, and it's very, very important that you do do that, um, because they, uh, they can actually uh, increase the, the body's ability to the pathogenic bacteria to thrive by, it said, up to 600 times as well. And it disrupts uh, the cells. There's, there's a lot of information on that, too. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. This is Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and we're coming to you live from Bold Brave Media and TuneIn Radio. Stay with us. We will be right back. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and we are coming to you live from Bold Brave Media, TuneIn Radio, and iHeartRadio. And today we're talking about sensory processing disorders, but we're specifically specifically talking further about rhythmic movement training. And uh, we, we just before the break, we're talking a little bit about some of the things that can disrupt our child's body uh, from the beginning that can cause these, these, uh, these sensory processing um, disorders. And so, you know, we're talking a little bit about heavy metals, uh, the poor health of the mother. And we know that, you know, the mom's got a, a you know, any illnesses, infections, or uh, overload of candida or pathogenic bacteria 
bacteria, Lyme's disease, all those things can be transferred in utero. So really important for mom to get healthy before ever conceiving, if possible. If you if you know you're planning on it, do your best there. Vaccinations causing some some inflammation and in, in the brain and digestive tract and electromagnetic field, especially as well. Um, so now that you know we've kind of given some of those pieces of where some of this might be coming from, but now we like to shift into the solutions. And um, and I'd like to ask, uh, we have Sonia Story with us here today, who is an expert in this field. And again, for everybody, if you're just tuning in or tuned in recently, um, any links that I talk to in the show will be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash move. So, uh, so Sonia, I'd like to ask you then why the rhythmic movement can help with with certain issues. And I know that speech is a really big one for a lot of kids and parents want to know how can I help improve my child's speech, uh, the anxiety issues and, and, you know, some of the more of those sensory issues that really can make it hard for a child to sit even in a classroom often. So, um, and why, why, uh, why your, your program in these, um, these rhythmic movement trainings can help. Right. Okay. Well, let me just explain a little bit about the program. Uh, it is called Brain and Sensory Foundations, and just I just want to be clear that it does. We do teach rhythmic movement, but we also teach um, lots of other activities that also relate to these innate movements, and um, they're called reflexes. That's what they're. That's what their bio, um, medical term is. They're um, innate primitive reflexes, or sometimes called infant reflexes. And a lot of parents are actually becoming more familiar with these reflexes. They're probably less familiar with the innate rhythmic movements, but they work together. So it's not just rhythmic movement, it's not just reflexes, it's both together and along with developmental movements. And then we add in um, play and activities that are really um, enjoyable because it's very important to teach children that movement is safe and it's enjoyable and um, that they can have fun with it. Human beings are meant to move in ways that are enjoyable. So I just wanted to give a picture of the whole program so that parents know that we're covering all the bases with the innate neurodevelopmental movement. So there's rhythmic movements, reflexes, developmental movements, and then we add in a lot of playful um, activities that target these specific um, movement patterns that that basically, like I said, need to get done. They're all required. So as far as if, if we focus just on the rhythmic movements and why some of the reasons why they're helping with anxiety, speech, and sensory issues, um, I touched on it a little bit earlier in the fact that they're very calming. And parents know innately to like say rock their babies to sleep um, or rhythmically kind of like bounce their babies. Mothers used to have rocking chairs. So that's all really good sensory input for a baby. But if a baby is being compromised in the womb, which is very often in our current um, way of doing things here on planet Earth, um, when the baby's compromised in the womb, they can come out in a way that their nervous system's already agitated, so they cannot even handle the hugs and the cuddles and the rocking that ideally they should be getting as part of their um, initial sensory input. And so we can very gently work with those children and give them rhythmic input 
very gradually and very gently so that then, then they can accept more sensory input in a way that's comfortable. So the specific way that these rhythmic movements impact, uh, for example, speech would be that when we give these movements, like I said, they're literally growing the brain. That's their function. Um, that's what they do. So they um, create more pathways in the brain. They create more what's called myelination in the brain, which is like a fatty coating on the nerve, which speeds the, the, um, the nervous system's impulses and communication. And what happens when we give rhythmic movement is that there are um, the brainstem becomes calmer, and then there are direct pathways from the cerebellum, which get stimulated by rhythmic movement, that go all the way up to the speech centers in the cortex of the brain. And so we see often um, amazing transformations with speech. Um, I have one case study up on my, um, on my website here. And after about six sessions, this seven-year-old uh, said, uh, Daddy, I want a hug. And he had never spoke to him in a direct manner asking, um, you know, with a request like that. So it's just beautiful things like that where children can start to express um, and become verbal is actually within reach. Um, and it's so helpful to have these rhythmic movements to make those connections that allow the child to be able to express. Um, now, depending on the severity of the autism, we can't guarantee that that's going to be an outcome for everyone, but it happens often enough that we've had many OTs come back to us and say our speech language therapist was shocked about how improved this was. Wow. So, and, um, how yeah, heartwarming. So another... and how heartwarming for a parent to, to know that, you know, those, and, and of course we have to say we, we don't know what every child's outcome will be, but when we see it so often, um, and we we know it can happen, and uh, and it's definitely uh, uh, the resource is so valuable that parents. I always say, you know, that's why I share share various resources. Like if I find something I know has that kind of value, I want parents to know about it because, you know, you can do these things with your children and um, and. And in recovery, again, regaining health is definitely possible. We need to take a short break. You're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism, and I'm your host, Karen Thomas. Stay with us. We will be right back. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and we're coming to you live from Bold Brave Media, TuneIn Radio, and iHeartRadio. And we're talking today with Sonia Story, who is a, an expert in rhythmic movement training, which helps a lot of the sensory processing issues that children are dealing with, especially children with, with autism. And again, these can be used for um, for anybody at, very, at any age, but uh, it's not just for children with autism. A lot of people out there who aren't diagnosed with anything, with aren't even maybe diagnosed with ADD or ADHD or anything else, but they have, people have sensory processing issues and um, especially children with autism. And so 
uh, one of the things that I think would be great if we could further our discussion on Sonia would be on some of the anxiety and the sense and some of those sensory issues that make it hard for kids to sit in a classroom or be around other people. They want to make friends, but but uh, people create so much anxiety for them just by being around them. So, uh, what can what can parents do about that, or can you tell us more about about how that can be benefit, how that can be um, you know turned around and made a little bit more positive for our kids? Yes, absolutely. So it's it's an interesting dilemma because children with sensory issues need more sensory input, but they're hypersensitive, so it's hard for them to get it. Um, the other thing about this, you mentioned the social, like wanting to make friends but being nervous about it. It's so heartbreaking, um, but what the the social skills are actually – and all of the stuff that we're talking about, sensory issues, um, speech, uh, anxiety, these are all, um, they have to do with our level of brain maturity. And our brain maturity is developed through these movements. So when our brain is mature and calm, we can branch out into social situations without the anxiety. The other thing about sensory issues and how they're connected with anxiety is if your system is not set up to properly receive sensory input, you're going to be anxious um, because just going through daily life is going to have so many triggers and things that are uncomfortable for you. So again, you're in a state of, of survival and protection, whereas ideally we want our children to be open to exploring and learning in the world. Um, And that means being open to sensory input. So one of the things that I'd love for listeners to understand is that there is research about um, a group of children, and this also works for adults, but there was a group of children that they, um, that all had anxiety issues and they gave them movement to have better physical balance and their anxiety levels dropped significantly. And so if we can set up the foundation properly so that we have proper balance and coordination, then our brain maturity is growing along with our sensory maturity. So it's, it's the brain, the body, and the sensory system together growing in maturity that allows an individual to be in their body calm and able to function well, even with sensory input. So the brain maturity happens through these rhythmic movements, through these reflexes, and through all the tools that we learn in the Brain and Sensory Foundations course. So I think it's fascinating. If your child doesn't have good physical balance, they are going to have some anxiety. It's just they go hand in hand. When you can develop the physical balance through these movements and through Um, the brain maturity, then the anxiety levels go way down. So I think it's really a hopeful thing for parents to know that this is something that they can, um, they can do. These aren't difficult to learn. They're easy to learn and uh, they work for all ages. So I don't want parents to ever think that, you know, their child is too old to do this. If you do have an adult child, is it just a matter of them being um, willing 
to do it or or what would you I know this is an online course so you do it from your own living room which I think is you know a blessing for most parents to know you don't have to go take your child out to another appointment especially it's scheduled at a time that your child's not in a good space but you've got this scheduled so you you know some people are taking them anyway and it doesn't work out so this way you can do it on your own schedule uh, from your home so what about uh, a child how do you get them to cooperate or or to to want to do this how how do you work with a child with this Okay, so I'm glad you asked that because most children love this and they ask for more. And that has come up repeatedly in the case studies that I get from OTs and parents where they say they loved it. They kept reminding me to do it. Um, Now, that's with the rhythmic movement. The reflexes are a little more challenging, but we introduce them slowly and playfully. So we never overwhelm the child with too much at once. Um, For children who are really, really sensitive and afraid of even being touched at all, we have the parents start at night while that child, or if it's an adult child, while they're sleeping, and they can even rhythmically rock the mattress at night while the child sleeps, and then gradually work up from there, and then very gradually, little bit by little bit, they keep increasing the amount. And so we have a whole protocol and a whole system of what to do if a child is really sensitive and won't allow the movements at first. Um, But gradually, they come to really love the movements. Um, Some children, a lot of children love them right from the beginning because they can tell that they're super helpful for, um, they, they just can feel that they're more calm and um, they they can feel that the movements are good for them. So there are many parents and therapists who are reporting that the children are asking for more. And then we just make it fun and playful. And um, we do it in a really honoring pace for the child so that they, um, again, it's important for them to learn that movement is pleasurable and safe and uh, ideally fun too. Right. I think that's the key with anything is to have the child be uh, be willing. I, I did craniosacral for 30 years, and whenever I had a child here, it was up to, I let it be up to the child how long they were here. Some sessions would be five or 10 minutes, and others would be 45 minutes. But uh, you ha- knowing and honoring a child's uh, level um, of how much they can take in a day and and letting them, you know, know that they have some control over that and making anything that they do enjoyable. Then once they receive it, I would have parents, same thing you probably get, parents are either, they would come back and say, they asked to come back here. They asked to see you again because they know they once they receive a little bit, they know that it makes them feel better and anything that makes them feel better, it becomes something that they want to do as well. So we need to take a short break. This is Naturally Recovering Aunt We're coming to you live from Bold Brave Media. Stay with us. We will be right. Hi there and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas. We're coming to you live from Bold Brave Media and TuneIn Radio. And today we are furthering our discussion on sensory processing disorders. But we have an expert here with us, Sonia Story, who is, again, an expert on neurodevelopmental developmental movement. And uh, we're talking about rhythmic movement and work with reflexes. And I will have Sonia talk a little bit further about that. Um, and just so everybody knows, 
if you're tuning in late, anything that we talk to uh, about talk about on this episode will be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash move. You can find any links there. And um, so, Sonia, can you tell us a little bit about um, things? I know parents are, we talked about at any age, children doing the program, adults doing the program, and teenagers can be challenging because especially as I even saw with my own son, Things seem to be going pretty well, and then all of a sudden puberty hits, and those hormones come in, and there are a lot of changes. All of a sudden, you know, a child that might have been doing well or calm is all of a sudden acting out again. And so, uh, are there ways in obsessive compulsive disorders? A lot of that uh, it ties in there. So, can you give us some information about um, how this work can uh, goes well with teenagers? Sure, absolutely. I have a great case study I would love to share. And also, um, so teenager um, hormonal changes, you know, that's going to be, that's possibly challenging for every teenager and every parent, but especially with um, a child who does not have their proper foundation in the first place, it can be even more challenging. So ideally, you're going to work with your child doing these movements prior to the teen years if you can. But I just want parents to know that even if you're approaching the teen years or already in the teen years, these movements can still be so helpful. So, for example, um, there's a teenager, 13-year-old girl, She had high-functioning autism. Um, She was extremely sensory sensitive, particularly to touch and movement, and she didn't like to engage in her environment at all. So she put her fingers up to her ears, and um, when she was asked to move around in any way or to do any task, um, she couldn't really do those things. She had poor motor planning and poor visual skills. Um, She had a phobia. Um, where she wouldn't uh, do anything that had to do with scissors or knives because she was afraid of sharp things. Um, She wouldn't touch things with any texture like yarn or things that were slimy or sticky. Um, Well, this girl, um, her OT could not even move her because she wouldn't do it, but her OT showed her mom what to do at home. They worked with it over the summer. And now um, the OT reported, now she's asking for the movement. So that's an example like what we were just talking about. So then she asked to start cooking in her OT sessions. So she was there cutting vegetables with knives, cooking grilled cheese sandwiches, making pizza. Um, not uh, Anyway, her handwriting got, um, it was barely readable, and now she was able to press harder on the pencil and then she's completing and illustrating a children's book. So she had a huge turnaround, and um, and this is because the movements, again, they mature the brain, the body, and the sensory system so that there can be calm, and so these things that maybe once were fearful can be more approachable. So it's very doable to do this work with teens. Um, You know, with teenagers, of course, like all teenagers, we have to respect their space and respect the fact that they are individuating. But if we can consistently give them these movements, I believe that they're going to, like Rosa, start asking for them because they know that the movements help them be more functional. Um, That's the same thing with obsessive-compulsive challenges. 
Those, as Dr. Blomberg explained to me, because he's a psychiatrist, that obsessive compulsive behavior is because we are stuck in the lower parts of our brain, um, the brain stem, the basal ganglia, and the cerebellum are where we're mostly functioning, but we have to develop those pathways to the higher parts of the brain to be able to have that logical reasoning to overcome obsessive compulsive behavior. So I've had um, parents tell me, therapists tell me, um, and even adults get over their obsessive compulsive behavior just with doing regular movement a day, and sometimes it's even like only like 10 to 20 minutes a day of movement can overcome um, that debilitating behavior. Well, that's amazing, 10 to 20 minutes a day. And it's nice if you can give, um, you know, because teenagers don't want to feel that way. It's stressful to have OCD. And uh, if they can have some tools, some of them are are looking there, you know, and, and this is where I see people talking to therapists about their problems and their issues, but they don't have the physical tools uh, further that they need. They might learn how to calm their mind down uh, by counting to 10 when they get stressed or things like that. But to be able to have these aspects to really um, give them something that they can, they can do themselves that can make a difference uh, in this way, I think is huge. We need to take a short, short break. Uh, We're coming to you from live from Bold Brave Media. This is Naturally Recovering Autism, and we will be right back. Hi, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and we are coming to you live from Bold Brave Media, TuneIn Radio, and we're also on iHeartRadio and iTunes. And I'd like to thank you for joining us today um, in this discussion with Sonia Story, who is a an expert in neurodevelopmental movement, an instructor of rhythmic movement training. And I do want to be sure that you know that her uh, Brain and Sensory Foundation online course is available. And I've left the link for you at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash move. And the program is uh, uh, open right now, uh, currently accepting uh, new people. So if you're interested, you can go to that link and find that as well. I also wanted to be sure that, um, you know, this is about getting to the root causes of things and your child sensory issues. Um, this gives them those tools that they can use at home. And um, and also I found with my own son that I really like to, to share that when I worked with his biology, I started healing his gut and getting a lot of those toxins out. And some of them we talked about, like the heavy metals, um, the vaccine insult that I did see a change in my son with when I started working with that and then working with his brain and the comorbid infections that, uh, you know, you may have heard some of our past, uh, the past shows that we've talked about Lyme's disease and mold biotoxins and parasites that, you know, it, when all of these toxins are in their system, they really have a hard time focusing because their brain is, is functioning under a toxic overload. So I have created what is called um, the Autism Moms Mentor Program, and I'm going to also link to it at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash move, because uh, I work through those biological issues and going along with a program like this that has work with the sensory issues, the combination of the two is gets you the optimum results because your child is that much 
more capable of doing uh, doing more and can be able to focus better when they don't hurt as much and their body isn't uh, functioning under so many toxins. Um, everything I do is completely natural and I just wanted to make sure that you knew about these um, and how well that they go together because we want to create a life for our children that can be really as healthy and happy as possible. And um, and also for occupational therapists and physical therapists listening, there are CEUs and uh, CCUs available for, for PTs available through the Brain and Sensory um, program as well. Oh, and I don't want to forget to, to mention that the Autism Moms Mentor Program has now officially become a nonprofit. So any fees that you pay for the program are a charitable tax donation. Um, so thank. what I want to do right now is thank Sonia Story for joining us today. I appreciate your expertise. Um, I think your program's great and what you can do for children. Do you have anything to add before we uh, before we complete today? Well, yes. First of all, thanks so much, Karen. I'm really happy to be able to share this great news with parents that they can have these impactful tools to help their children. And I also just want to um, encourage parents to join the Brain and Sensory Foundations course and use the tools themselves with their children because they're so helpful for releasing stress. And we know parents are under a lot of stress, tremendous amounts of stress these days. So it can just be such a joyful way of self-care and also connecting with your child and um, really knowing that you're helping provide a fantastic foundation for them. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank you so much for being here today. And yeah, parents, uh, I know how challenging that can be. Uh, And if there's something, you know, if you can use the program for not only your child with autism, but maybe your other children and yourself as well. Thank you for joining us. This is Karen Thomas from Naturally Recovering Autism, and uh, we will see you next week.